0: His Catholic podcast topped the charts in America. We're sitting down with Father Mike Schmitz. This is Dive Deep. So many of you have listened to Father Mike or gone to one of his talks. He's a priest of the Diocese of Duluth and chaplain for the Newman Center at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He's a national speaker, offers weekly homilies on iTunes, has appeared in videos for Ascension Presents, which have millions of views, and is the host of the popular podcasts, The Bible in a Year and The Catechism in a Year, both of which have topped the podcast charts in America with tens of millions of views. On January 5th, Father Mike was at the SEAT Conference in St. Louis, where we sat down with him to discuss a variety of faith-based topics. Father Mike, thanks for coming on Dive Deep. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Thanks for asking.
0: Oh, we are so pumped, pumped to have you here. Um, one thing I want to get into, you, of course, travel the, the country, speaking to so many people. What's the most compelling thing about the Catholic faith that you think Catholics either don't know or
1: underappreciate? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think that it depends on the person, obviously, well, not obviously. But I, I think huh, the individual is very important, and so uh, I know people who have said, like, The Eucharist was something that I never knew. I never realized the importance of the Eucharist until this moment where everything clicked, everything changed. Others who will say that, oh yeah, I was so confused and it was the church's authority. And I realized, oh wait, wait a second. All Christianity comes from the Catholic church that here's Jesus founded this. And when I got the piece of authority, it was was everything. Or people who have devotion to Our Lady, like all those, these big pillar type things. Um, Ultimately, if there is something that I keep coming back to is that regardless of what someone knows about the church or about the lord the most basic truth i think most christians or catholics are raised with is this truth that they hear many many times that god loves you and i think that probably maybe one of the one of the pain points is most catholics don't actually believe that god loves them they think god merely tolerates them and it, it's in in i have seen the difference the difference between a person who is like, no, I've heard that God loves me. But really what I, what I really think is he's like, he's okay with my existence. But you know, if I'm lost to him forever, it doesn't really matter to him. Or if I'm close to him, it doesn't really matter to him. I don't really matter to him as opposed to, no, God is actually, I mean, the the cross means something. The cross, there's a reason. And the reason isn't because God tolerates you. It's because he actually loves you and loves you in a way that you can, you can never live up to. And, and to, to let that truth break into a person's heart, it changes everything. And I think that if there's anything that every single Catholic needs to know is that, is yeah.
0: And, and I know, you know, so many Catholics right now are falling away. Catholics, I know mm-hmm. statistics have it around 30 percent of people are actually going to mass. You hear about the elevator pitch. Yeah. If, you're in, if you're in an elevator, you got 30 seconds with someone or, you know, we all have family members who have probably fallen away or they go to the mass only on Christmas and Easter. What's your advice? What do we say to folks if we had that 30 seconds? How do we convince them to come back to the faith who are, who are just lukewarm about it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, would, um, I would first say, maybe ask the question of like, why? Why um, for you, like if you're not going to mass, how come? Um, there's, then there's an element where, where I can think like, well, here's the, here's the elevator, elevator pitch that is the most compelling argument. And it could be, I just, I don't know, I'm kind of lazy. And that, that really is, I've talked to people who are like, how come you haven't been to mass? How can you ever since the lockdowns, how come you haven't gone back to church? And I don't know. I just kind of got out of the habit. Like that's just the only, that's the only reason there. There's no deep thing of like, I, I hate the church or, or I don't think it's true. It's just, I kind of got out of the habit. And so my first question, I think I would ask is, has anyone asked you, has anyone invited you back? Or if you, if you're not going to mass, how come? And, and then, and then we can start, start talking because someone could say, I've never seen the point. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that then. Or it could be something along the lines of, I don't really think that uh, the Catholic Church is right on X, Y, and Z. Like, okay, look, we can talk about that. But I think if we just kind of treat people like a problem as opposed to like people, treat treat people like persons and uh, not problems, that that they actually are names, not just numbers. And I think part of that means asking them, what's your experience? You know, Bishop Barron has a whole thing about uh, the four main reasons why people have young people have said they stopped going to mass. And some of them are an argument against, you know, or not even an argument, but I don't like the church's teaching on say some kind of aspect of morality. But others, it's just because, well, I stopped going and no one asked me back. And that that's a pretty wide gamut and a pretty wide range of reasons why people aren't there.
0: Now, you're doing so many endeavors right now. Of course, you're podcasting, Bible in a year, Catechism in a year, you're on at Central Presents. And of course, you're running a Newman Center, all this sort of stuff. You got lots of things going on. Um, you know, even for, for us parents and people who are, who are trying to build up the kingdom of God like you, okay, maybe we don't have the platform you, you of course do, but we're trying everything we can, uh, to, to build up the kingdom with our children and in our community, with our jobs, volunteering, where have you experienced attack of the evil one on what you've been doing? And what's your advice for us lay Catholics? Because as we try to raise our children the right way and try to do, you know, the good and build Mm -hmm. up the kingdom, we're also facing attacks as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of the, one of the, I don't know if this is a secret, I don't know if this is just how I've done it, is almost everything that I'm involved with is simply a response. It is, is not like, I have this great idea, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, it's gonna solve all the problems. It's more along the lines of, this is, I think this is needed. For, so the only thing that uh, I would say, like Ascension Presents, those videos, a woman named Maria Mitchell came to me and she said, I work for Ascension and uh, we put out a lot of content on DVDs and CDs and some other things like this, but young people live on YouTube. Would you be willing to sit down and record, you know, five to eight minute episodes just about the aspects of the Catholic faith? Like, oh yeah, that's necessary. I think this is important. Um, the only thing that was my idea was the Bible. And that isn't even my idea. I mean, though a Bible in a year, reading plans have existed for a long, long time. And podcasts have existed for a long, long time. It was just a matter of Oh, what I've heard is, what I've realized is we've lost, we've, it, there's, a, there's a great book called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission out of the University of Mary in, in Bismarck, North Dakota. And one of the, one of the things they said is we, we've lost our biblical imagination, we've lost our biblical worldview. And that's been a, a, a phrase that has popped into my head so many times for the last maybe 10, 15 years and in various contexts, some from Catholic context, from Christian context, but just this sense of a loss of a biblical worldview and realizing, wait a second, We have these things called podcasts. We have a, a, we have the Great Adventure Bible Timeline. We could do this in a way that would present a, as people pressed play and listened, they wouldn't just, I know the story better. It would be shaping their lens that they look at, through which they look at everything. And so that's one of those things. So going back to the original question is, what do we do as individuals? Well, we just, I think we look up and we see a need and see, look inside and then say, can I fill that need? And so if a person's a parent, Okay, look up, what's the need here with my kids? What's the need with my need with my spouse? Then I look inside and say, okay, can I feel that need? And if I don't have the resources inside me, the great thing is, again, the, the church is making so much content right now that there's someone you can say, hey, here's a video about that, or here's a podcast about that, or here's a book about this. And sometimes, you know, it comes, goes down easier if it comes from someone who's not dad or have, someone who's not mom. Have, have you felt the evil
0: one in many ways? Like, if you feel like you're under
1: attack sometimes? It's a good question. Uh, so I have to pay attention to... One of the ways, one of the ways that I've recognized is through my emotions, and so I recognize if I get short, if I get um, crispy, we'll say it like that. If I get a little bit, uh, yeah, angry. So one of my principal sins, younger in my younger years, was just this, this kind of, I would say, overwhelming anger, and uh, and I'm not an angry person, and so I would always recognize like, oh, wow, this is a, just an area of brokenness, and I can't change it. Like I can't. I remember like praying so fervently at some point. Like God, just I hate being so angry all the time. I just hurt people around me, uh, the, how I'm treating them, how what I'm saying. And I hate it so much. And He's done a work. He's done a really powerful work. That that's all His grace. And one of the ways that I recognize that uh, here's the evil one getting in is when I find myself getting to that place of anger, getting to that place of rage. And if I can trace it back, I'm like, oh wait a second, this is not this is not accurate to the situation. And then that's almost always an indication of, this is an attack in this moment. Uh, and again, the you know, way Satan can work, right, is he doesn't always have this external influence. Sometimes he just works with the brokenness that we have inside ourselves. And that's, I would say that's the principal way. If I find myself getting stressed, I then, get angry and then I have to calm down and say, wait, oh, I mentioned this to some students yesterday. I was driving to a children's mass. I was filling in for one of our local priests and they said, hey, can you fill in, take the student mass or the, the school mass? I'm like, sure. And on the way there, I was getting so mad. I'm like, I don't even like kids. Why am I even going to this student mass, this school mass? Why do they have this? And I was like, wait a second. I love kids. What am I doing? I'm like, oh, I'm nervous. I haven't done a school mass or a children's mass for a 10 years, and I don't know if I'll do okay, and it was one of those moments where that's one of the ways the evil one gets in. It's just this, I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel confident in this. I feel kind of incompetent in this area, and because of that, it comes out in these areas of, or it comes out in this way of anger, and that is, I thank the Lord because I recognize when that happens, okay, something else is going on, and I I identified it and be able to say, okay, Lord, here's my heart. I'm not mad at kids. I love kids. I'm really happy to help this priest. I can't wait to get there, but... I'm nervous.
0: It's, it's that it's that check for us as la- even as, as lay Catholics when, when we when we sense that evil one you got to have that check and that pause yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that moment um now I want to get into uh, kind of back to our, to our faith and, and people who have who have fallen away I think one thing is when it comes to prayer people pray for things and then you know quote God doesn't answer their prayers right. at least the way they, they they wanted to and that's what leads people away right. from the faith what's your advice to folks who are who are trying to you know persevere but it seems like prayer runs dry or it just feels like God's leaving them hanging
1: yeah. 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 That, you know, uh, speaking of the catechism, there is the fourth pillar of the catechism is on prayer. And one of the, one of the sections or subsections is called the battle of prayer. And it's one of, it's one of hands down, my favorite sections in the entire catechism. And it talks about this. It, it says that the witness of the lives of the old figures in the old Testament, new Testament, the great saints, even Jesus Christ himself all testified to this, that prayer is a battle that it's a gift of grace, but it's also a determined response on our part, that it's difficult, it's a battle. And so the recognition of it's hard to persevere in prayer, well, yeah, in fact, that term faithfulness means ultimately steadfastness. It, it ultimately means perseverance in so many ways. I mean, it, it means other things as well, but it does mean this, I'm standing fast. It's that image of Moses as his hands are extended and he has Aaron and Hur holding up his arms as, as Joshua is bat- battling the Malachites. You have that sense of, as long as he stood there, the Israelites would win. But if he didn't have that prayer, if his, his hands drooped down, the Amalekites had the better of the battle and there's a, something in there that points to us and says, okay, God is hearing, God is, God is working, God is active, but he's also calling upon our participation, our cooperation with him in that intercession. And so there's this recognition of, okay, battle is gonna be, or prayer is gonna be a battle. And part of that battle is, in, in the catechism asks, a battle against two. And he says, well, first again, first against ourselves, because we can find a thousand other things to do rather than pray then a battle against the wiles of the tempter, who does everything he can to keep us from union with the Lord. Because you and I are made for union with God. The evil one hates that. So he does everything he can to keep us from going to prayer. So I have the inclination to go to prayer, even have the idea they plan to go to prayer. And then that's when, oh, this distraction and that distraction and that distraction. Even if I show up, what happens? Well, there's dryness. There's distraction. There's that question of like, why am I not heard? And that's the next question you had asked. And again, the catechism even addresses this in one of the paragraphs that says, why do we complain about being heard, about not being heard? Why do we complain about not being heard in prayer? And the response is just remarkable because the response was written by a man who, while he was writing that fourth pillar of the catechism, he was in a basement in Beirut as it was being bombed out. And so like he was in a person in in this really comfortable, you know, five-star hotel or home where he just... Oh, prayer is a battle. He's like, no, he was literally in a battle as he's writing about this. Why do we complain about not being heard? And he said, in the first case, this should strike us as being remarkable. That when we're praising God or thanking him, we're not particularly concerned about whether or not he hears our prayers. And it's just, I paused that and I'm like, wait a second, you're right. If if I need something from God, like I'm on my knees and my hands are folded in the right way, like I'm just like, okay, dear Lord, I'm saying all the right words and I need you to hear me. But if I'm thanking God, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, God, thank you for that. I just, I'm so casual about it. When it comes to thanking God or praising him, I'm not particularly concerned about whether or not he hears my prayers, but he goes on to say, we demand to see the results of our prayers when we're asking for something. And he says, that reveals our image of God. Is God a father? who cares for us and loves us and will give us only good things, or is God basically our um, ATM, He's he, our divine you know, slot machine or vending machine where we go up to him because we need something. And that, and I think that's a key.
0: I got a couple more questions for you really quick. Um, what's one thing you've either learned about the Bible or the catechism? I mean, people think, oh, you're an expert, but I mean, as you go through this, are you like, holy cow, I didn't, I didn't know
1: about that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, that's a great question. I, because there were some things about the Bible that I thought, like, you know, I, I, the biggest surprise in the Bible were the prophets. Because I've read, I think I've read all the prophetic books, you know, all the other books. Yeah, of course, I've read all those, the narrative books and those other. But the prophetic books, I've read them, but I've read them in a kind of scattered way. So all throughout Advent, we always read the prophet Isaiah. But I've never read Isaiah chapter one, verse one, to the end of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And, and also along the way, trying to figure out what is he saying? What is he, what exactly is he communicating? But here I'm recording a podcast and I'm going to read Isaiah, read Baruch, read whoever. And at the end of this, I'm going to have to tell people who are listening, here's what he just meant. So I had to like take the time to really dig in and say, okay, when Jeremiah is writing in chapter, you know, 23 and 24, what is he saying when he talks about, you know, the, the, this prophet from Ephraim? What, what's Ephraim again? You know, and so that was really helpful for me because I needed to, at some point, become, I guess, uh, an expert for the day. <laughs> and so I'd be able to say, oh, by the way, this is what this means. That was, that was huge for me, to know the prophets and to realize that the prophets, were, their, their speech was not esoteric, wasn't this, this kind of super vague and, and kind of uh, nebulous, but they were speaking to a particular people at a particular time at the then, and that those words also spoke to me.
0: Excellent. We'll get you out on this one. Um, What gives you hope about the Catholic Church? You know, I think us lay Catholics, we go to mass, and maybe you don't see as many families there as you want, or, you know, Catholic schools, we don't see maybe as much participation, but you're out and about. What gives you hope about the future?
1: Wow. I would say, well, a couple things. One, right now we're at SEEK 23. So focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students puts on this, this year, Yearly event. There are 17,000 Catholic college students at this who are encountering the Lord Jesus, and it's not just about this week for them. It is they're here because on a daily basis there are missionaries on their campuses who are investing in them and walking with them and showing them, okay, here's how you say yes to Jesus right here, right now in your life. So that that's happened. I see that every day. Another is when I when I listen or read the letters and emails from people who doing the Bible in a year are now doing the Catechism in a year, who have said, yeah, I was I'm 76 years old. I left the Catholic church 50 years ago and, uh, but I listened to the Bible last year and my life has changed. And I went to confession for the first time in 50 years and, or others saying I, I was committed atheist. I started listening to the Bible. I wasn't sure why, but here I am. And I now believe, and, and I'd see that, hear that all the time. Every, I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't open up my email. And there's another email from someone saying I was completely lost and here I am. God has found me. And, um, those, those are incredible signs of hope, you know, here with focus and then just, uh, yeah, people just wanting to press play and wanting to hear what God has to say to them.
0: I think yeah. that's really important because even just, you know, you touch that one soul. Yeah. And if you touch one soul, that's, all, that's, that's worth it. It changes the world. Yeah. Father Mike, thanks so much for coming on Dive Deep. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You got it. This has been Dive Deep. For more podcasts, head over to Dio.org slash podcast. And if you want to give to support this mission, go to Dio.org slash give. Until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep.